ministry of reconciliation. Ooh, that's a little intense. But that's the heart of the Father, see. Uh, we were talking about this earlier, uh, as mentioned to Ron. If you want to keep any of this kingdom stuff, you've got to give it away. Give it away to someone. And so we're going to be sharing tonight from the Word of God uh, how to be equipped. How to be equipped to be able to serve someone somewhere. When I first started on this journey of equipping, the Lord said to me, unless you need to be equipped. So just let's get this out of the way right away that this isn't just like Les has got this figured out. He's going to tell you do nothing's what to do. Now, Les is smooth in the middle of this big time. And it's an ever ongoing process of becoming. Word says to as many as received him, to them he gave power to become children of God. Man, 47 years ago, I was as saved as I could be, but I've been saved some more. So that's what we're fixing to do tonight is be saved some more. That's a sanctifying work, the ongoing, continuous work of the Holy Spirit we were just singing about. And it's easy to sing those songs. It's another thing altogether to give him charge and allow him to do what only he can do. And I've heard him say this to me more than once, Les, would you let me do for you that which you could never do for yourself? That's part of the area of being saved some more. We, we try to work it out. We try to figure it out. We need to have something done to us by his grace and by his mercy. So the last time I, I taught the first part of this in, um, what was it, April. And at that point in time, I was intending to use uh, Ephesians chapter 4 where it talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers are to equip the saints to do the work of ministry or service. And the Lord said, no, we need to talk about, we need to lay some foundational things. And so we talked about the working knowledge of the word of God and have it functional. So it's one thing to read your Bible, it's another thing to do your Bible, to live it out, to, to walk it out. So we walk through that whole dimension of learning to use the Bible and apply it in our lives and then be able to give that away to other folks as well. So I think, well, this time now I can do that. And Lord said, no, we're still doing basics. And we're going to talk about prayer tonight. So when I started in Ephesians 4, it begins with, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, you know, call you to walk worthy of the Lord. And when there's a therefore there, you need to find out what it's there for. So I back up into chapter three and I run smooth into Paul's prayer for the church and for us. And I really believe that that's what the Lord wants to do. I've been in prayer ministry for 40 years. And I talk this to Jake from time to time, you know, this thing is getting smaller all the time is what I what I think I know, or I think I want to understand. So we're in process of learning how to be able to walk by the Spirit so that we do not fulfill the desire of the flesh. That's a full-time event. So the Word and the Spirit is how we begin to understand what the will of God is and how to be able to walk in that. So I'm going to get to Ephesians 3. We're going to look at Paul's prayer there from 14 to 21 in chapter 3. But be patient with me. We need to talk a little bit about some prayer things on ahead of time that will give us a format for that. So would you pray with me first? Lord Jesus, we come again to be taught. And your word says, and all your children to be taught of the Lord. And great will be the peace of your children. And I'm going to send you a helper when the helper, the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to teach you about all things and he's going to bring to your remembrance all that I've already said to you. So we're here to be taught. We're here to be instructed. We're here to be corrected. We're here also to be edited. Some things in our lives need to be edited out. And it's what you, one of the things you said to me so clearly, Les, I'm going to edit some out. And I'm going to say, yes, Lord. So that we're able to walk in that which you have purposed and that which you have planned 
and be able to do it together in Jesus' name. Amen. So, let's see. All of the scriptures didn't get up there. So, if, you, if you're taking notes, I, I started out with this as um, prayers of the New Testament. Well, that's one of the things the Lord taught me. He says, if you're going to pray the word, he says, that's going to be your start of how you learn how to pray. So the first one is Matthew 6, 9 to 13, which we call the Lord's Prayer. I call it the Disciples' Prayer. John 17, in my opinion, is the Lord's Prayer, that prayer that he prays for the boys and he prays for us by extension. Then Ephesians 1, 16 to 23. And Ephesians 1, excuse me, Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. That's what we're going to look at tonight. And then we're going to look at Colossians 1, 9 to 14. Those are the prayers of the New Testament. There's, there's more in there than that, but that's one of the ones that I use on a regular basis. Those can be prayed word for word, but they're also in an area of learning, because Jesus has prayed like this. So the Lord's Prayer, for example, you can take sections of those and begin to pray those out and being able to establish. You know, if you take our Father who art in heaven... You can just spend a day or so on that. And there's an amplification that the Holy Spirit gives us in this process of learning how to pray. Now in Ephesians, excuse me, in, in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Paul says, pray without ceasing. One of those short verses. And so we're talking in staff meeting this morning about that. What does that look like? To pray without ceasing. And we came up with another number of things. Hillary mentioned uh, abide. I really like that word. There's, there's an abiding in that place with him. I've got written in my Bible over that in red, listening prayer. See, we've relegated prayer to articulating verbiage. Well, that's part of it. But it's, it's hard to keep that running all the time but you can always listen. And I think that's one of the things that we've missed an awful lot in prayer is we talk to God and then we leave without waiting for him to answer. See, Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and mighty things that you do not know. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So the listening part, we say, well, I can't hear God. Well, if you're born again, you can hear God. Now, you may need to have some instruction on your ability to hear. I certainly do on a continuum because my soul man gets in the way, tries to figure things out with the intellect. Your spirit, that's the part that is born again. That's how we begin to hear in your spirit what the spirit of God is saying. Sometimes he speaks directly with, with words. A lot of times he speaks to me right out of the scripture. He will answer a question out of his word. What I've already said to you. And the Holy Spirit brings to our remembrance those things as well. I'll give you a couple examples of this. Um, I, was, I was telling Ron tonight too that God isn't real concerned about my comfort. So he likes to talk in the middle of the night. And it seems like three o'clock in the morning seems to be a, a time that uh, Larissa says he wants to get chatty. And so uh, this happened, I don't remember the time on this particular one, uh, but I'm leaning over my desk and I'm writing what he's speaking to me. And this is what he said. He said, you may want to sit down. This may take a while. Yes, sir, I got that one. And there was a time I'm, I'm kind of forgetting part of that. And he said, don't worry. He said, the Holy Spirit's taking notes. He'll remind you. He is so incredibly practical and so functional. See, we make prayer way too religious. But our God speaks and he, he has things to say to us that are unique to you. My sheep hear 
my voice. I know them. It's that knowing and that intimacy with him. That's what he's trying to cultivate in this season. I hadn't planned to tell this story, but I've told it here a couple of different times. I'm fixing to do it again. I went to a a men's conference a lot of years ago, and there was a man by the name of Steve Lytle, and he was uh, smuggling Bibles behind the Iron Curtain. This is back in the 70s. It's Bulgaria, February, middle of the night. And the Lord says, Steve, I want you to get out of your bed. Get down on the floor. I have something to say to you. And Steve says, I can hear you really good right here in the bed. It's cold. It's just a plain old wood floor. And the Lord wouldn't leave him alone. This went on for an extended time. And Steve finally whips off the covers and he gets down on the floor and said, okay, Lord, what do you got? The Lord said, Steve, you can go back to bed now. He says, like, what is up with that? You hassled me to get down here. And then you say I can go back to bed. This is what the Lord said. I'll never forget it. He said, Steve, I wanted to see if you would obey me. Because in not many days from now, your very life will depend on whether you will obey me. People of God, we're fixing to come into a season like that, I believe. There's some things going on in the spirit realm, in the demonic realm right now, that is trying to destroy us. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you can have life super abundantly is the language. It's above abundance. That's why we pray. That's why we listen. That's why we press into these things. So we learn how you personally hear God. I always tell people the most important thing you can learn once you are really born again, not just given mental assent to the gospel and to Jesus, but you've been born again by the blood of Christ and you've been filled with his spirit. The most important thing you can learn is how you personally hear him. I'm going to let that settle for a minute because this is absolutely true. He speaks and we listen and we carry this thing out. Psalm 91 verse 15 says, he will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. So turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 81. You know, those of us are parents How many times have you said to your child, would you just listen to me? Adam, how many times have you said to these precious little ones right here? Several times, I'm sure. Would you just listen to me? And I think that's one of the things that the Lord has said also, because this is what he says to, to Israel, and by extension to us, thank you very much. Psalm 81, 13 and 14. Oh, that my people would listen to me that Israel would walk in my ways, I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. That's the heart of the Father. Listening is an imperative part of prayer. Now, we look at both Israel and Judah ended up in captivity because they didn't listen. So, Turn to the right just a little bit. Go to Jeremiah chapter 29. Now we've used this scripture, many of us, for a long time. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. But this was written by Jeremiah to a people that were already in captivity in Babylon because they didn't listen. They went their own way and spoke their own words. And I'm going to start here with verse 10 because in the beginning of that, the Lord says, hey, settle down. It's going to be a while. I want you to to build houses and, you know, have children and and go on. And he says, pray even for the welfare uh, of, of the nation, of the city that you're in. Verse 10, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to bring you back to this place. 
For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. Then you will come, you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. See, there's something about the listening prayer when we begin to hear him. There's a change that takes place in there and we surrender to him. Surrender is the product of faith. I surrender my will for his will. And I'm a happy camper in the process. Now, if you're like me, sometimes you grumble on the way to surrender. But that process has to be wrestled through, not just producing the verbiage of surrender, but when your heart actually lets go, then faith has come. There's the ability to receive this and be able to enter into it and do it with a whole heart. Because I heard him say this to me years ago, less when I get your want to rather than your have to, that's when the process actually begins. He says, up until that time, you're just blowing smoke to me. Because it's coming out of the soul, no faith in it. But when I actually surrender to him, he produces something in me that's supernatural. He authors faith and he finishes faith. And that process, I always tell people, don't miss the wrestling through part. Don't just produce the verbiage and say, yes, Lord, when you haven't let go with your heart. And that's part of the listening area and asking him to produce in you that which isn't there now. And I've used this so often. I'll say, Lord, my faith bucket's empty. There's nothing in there. I know I ought to want to do this. I just don't. And he had said, why don't you come and tell me you don't want to do that? Get, let's get real. And then ask me to create something in you that does not now exist. He says, I haven't ceased to be a creator. And I will create power and desire for you to willing to do for my good pleasure, not yours. And I've learned over a lot of years that when, this is really interesting, when I do it his way, then I enjoy it. No real joy comes. See? Psalm 1611 says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand there's pleasure forevermore. The path of life is where he's walking. And I've heard him say this a number of times. He says, I'm going, you want to come along? Why don't you just come along? I'm not asking you to do anything, just come with me. Watch what I'm up to. He says, you can learn a lot just by watching. And he says, if I'm not doing anything, please don't do anything. You'll just create a mess we'll have to clean up later. So learning to be with him. Matter of fact, we talked about this at staff meeting too. So, or, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Well, first it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Well, truth be known, I trust him with part of my heart, part of the time. But with all my heart, it requires me to acknowledge him that I don't know what I'm doing. And I've said this more times than I can count. Lord, I don't have a clue. Would you teach me? I said, glad you asked. How much would you like? See, fullness. There's an unlimited supply of his fullness. John 1.16 says, out of his fullness, we've all received. This is a thing that I'm so far off my notes and I don't even care. Out of his fullness, we've all received. And I've been asking, what is that? What is the fullness? And then it says grace upon grace. Grace is how you're saved initially. And I tell you for sure, it's how you save some more. But grace gives us divine ability to do that which we could not or would not previously do. Grace is supernatural. And that's what I think he's trying to get over to us. Walk by the Spirit so that you don't fulfill the desire of the flesh. But try to figure this thing out. Now, just reflecting a little bit upon this Jeremiah 29 section here. The, uh, 
Interesting. The antidote for people who have leaned to their own understanding and ended up in captivity to the enemy is obedience. Obedience is huge. That'll take you a long ways down the pipe. But some things have to run their course. There is a consequence to disobedience, especially when the previous generation has shown us what not to do. You just have to look at Israel in that area. And then begin to see, would you come? Would you obey me? Would you do it in detail? Jake said this, you know, on Sunday. It's trust and obey. There's no other way. Well, we've tried a whole bunch of other ways. We've climbed up other ways to enter in. He said, I'm the door. you got to come through me. This is the only way this thing works. But our Lord always has a redemptive plan. When we have fouled our lives, and it's through repentance and restoration. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, he will give you the desires of your heart. And I heard this too, he will put his desires in your heart if you will ask him. And I remember him saying this to me, that he, he took this Jeremiah 29, 11. He said, I know the plans that I have for you and I'll tell those to you if you'll ask me. And James says, you have not because you ask not. So we need to ask. We need to be able to press into these things. In uh, Luke 11, Jesus, the boys came and said, now, would you teach us to pray? They didn't say, would you teach us to preach? He said, teach us how to pray. So he gives them a, a little bit different version of what we've called the Lord's Prayer in the first part of that. In the second part of it, he begins to teach them a, a parable in, in, uh, that they should, should pray. And he, he told the story of somebody comes to, this, to his friend at midnight and says, hey, I've got somebody just showed up at my house and I, I haven't got any bread. Would you lend me three loaves? And the guy answers from inside and says, hey, me and the kids are in bed. Go away. Quit bugging me. And the guy won't give him any rest. And Jesus said he won't give, get up and give him anything because he's his friend, but because of his persistence. And the persistence in prayer, and then he goes on and explains that, ask and keep on asking. Now, I don't think this is at all finally to get God tired and he'll answer our prayer. No, something has to change in me. I need to be surrendered to him in a place where I'm willing to accept and receive what he has in the time frame that he has. See, I, I mentioned earlier, he isn't all that concerned about my comfort, nor is he concerned about my time frame. Psalm 31, 15 says, my times are in your hands, O God. And one of the clearest words I've ever heard from him, he says, but lest you have to put them there. So when I put my times in his hands for safekeeping and surrender to him, that's when peace comes. That's when the answer comes. But it's ask and keep on asking, knock and keep on knocking, seek and keep on seeking so that you can keep on receiving. This is a reciprocal thing of our God. He begins to teach us how to function together with him by his grace and mercy. I'm mentioning that he was editing me. Yeah, he said, you've got some flesh in the way that needs to, to get out. You need some removing of some belief systems and things that you've adopted and walked in for, for a long time. And he points those things out. I mean, I say, unless it's in your heart, let me have that and I'll give you my grace. And I remember saying to him, but I think I need the grace first. He says, no. He says, you got you to let go of this thing because this thing is idolatrous. You put your focus on your ability to figure things out as opposed to come to me and let me teach you how to be able to walk by my spirit and by my will and purpose. That's good fathering and how he teaches us. Then he said this, I am your primary way of equipping I am your equipment. 
Uh, so go now to the book of Ephesians, and we're going to look together, and we're going to unpack some of these things. And I'm just going to say this straight away. What I'm giving you tonight is like a little Costco taste. And I hope it stimulates your appetite to dig these things out. And if you have a phone, there's a world of resource of availability to do word studies and to understand things. And, you know, Rick gives us this every time. Jake does, and, and I do too from time to time. But it's one thing to hear it from another person. It's another thing to find it for yourself. Something goes off on the inside of you when you search these things out. That's part of the seeking. What does this mean? I don't understand that. No, English language is not real expressive when it's compared to Hebrew or Greek. It is, it's just amazing. I think, wow, I didn't know that. And I'll share a couple of those with you as, as we go through these things. But looking intently and receiving the word implanted in you and in me will open some of his fullness to us. Out of his fullness. Um, you stay there a minute. I'm going to read a, a scripture. I've got this written somewhere. Um, this is Psalm 119, verse 32. Ah, there it is. I shall run, not merely walk, the Amplified says, but run the way of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. And Jake and I have been talking about this. The gospel is so big. How do you, to you assimilate it to start with is difficult. How do you communicate it? It has to come by revelation. That's why one of these prayers in Ephesians 1 says, Paul says, I pray that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him by having the eyes of your understanding open your heart flooded with light into the deep and intimate knowledge of God. Light was the first thing that was created and the Spirit of God brooded over the face of the water. Creation came forth. And God said, let there be light. Light is an essential for vision. And when you see things in his word and they're revealed to you, then they're yours. It isn't just something you've heard Rick or one of us say. But digging it out and asking him questions. That's one of the key things in studying the word of God. I don't understand this. Would you explain this to me? Glad you asked. Might want to sit down. It's going to take a while. I love that. It's just so practical. He, he's so functional with us. But the, the seeking, you know, is, is such a huge part of this. And having an appetite for the things of God. That stimulates. And then when you begin to see something, it stimulates more. And it grows and increases. That's the becoming all that he's intended for us to be. And then, you see, where I'm headed with this sooner or later um, is giving it away to somebody else. So when you give it away, it multiplies. It's kind of like Jesus feeding the multitudes, you know, 5,000 men besides women and children. We haven't figured out how he did that yet. Does it multiply in his hand or their hand or passing it one to another? I think yes. Check D, all of the above. But there's something so profound. You know, I've had the privilege of giving a lot of scripture away to a lot of people. And when I do, it, it stimulates in, in my spirit. And then when they give it away again, it multiplies again. And we begin to share. And then we become prophetic one to another. We edify and we exhort and we comfort one another with his word. That's the, the most basic form of the prophetic ministry that there is. Is giving his word away. Pretty hard to miss on that. Have you found Ephesians 3 yet? I have not. It's in my Bible, too, because the pages are real worn right there. So I love the book of Ephesians because it's ministered so much to me over the years. So, like I said, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord, says in chapter 4, we back up, see what's it there for. Well, there we've got Paul's prayer. So then 
we look at verse 14 at the beginning of the prayer, it says, for this reason. Okay, what's the reason that he's speaking this and why he's praying this, in essence, for us? He says, therefore, I want you to not lose heart at my tribulations. Okay, what are those? Well, he's in the prison house right now, big time. And he's continuing to minister there at my tribulations on your behalf where they are for your glory. Over in Philippians chapter 1, he explains a little bit because that's another letter that was written while Paul's in the prison house. He says, I want you to know, my brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel so that my imprisonment is the, in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. And that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. See, there was a rotating group of soldiers that were chained to Paul. Now you talk about a captive audience, they can't get away. And they got to listen. And then it begins to spread. You know, in, in another place it says, even those in Caesar's household. You know, he's the one that had Paul in prison, see, and would eventually put him to death. But the gospel isn't chained. The gospel is released. And there's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You see, that was a company that what Paul experienced, he was given away to these fellows. Now, I don't know for sure what the, what the time of duty was, but I'm guessing maybe 24 hours. Can you imagine being chained to the Apostle Paul for 24 hours? Just what we have in his letters. And he can't get away. I love that. Because there was an appetite and he talks in another place about the aroma of the gospel. And it has spread through everyone else, he said. This thing, you can't shut it down. They did everything in the world to try to quench it. And it just got bigger. Because it was being given away on a continuum. So let's read down through this and then we'll make some comments here. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through, the, through his spirit in the inner man. Now I want you to watch, watch with me because we've got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit spoken about in this whole thing. So we've had bowing the knees before the Father. Now we've got power through his spirit so that Christ, there's Jesus, may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all, here's our word, the fullness of God. Same word that we had earlier. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all, all we, that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And he says, amen. So be it. Let it be so. Declaration, powerful declaration. So the thing I want to talk about just a little bit is some of the, uh, the words and the meaning of a of, of few things here, but also to draw us into a place where he says, I bow my knees. You know, there's something about kneeling, physically kneeling, that does something. And getting down on these old knees that have been spent a lot of years on concrete and work, they don't like getting down on knees. That's why we have pillows here. They work. But you'd be amazed what it does on the inside of you when you kneel and you present yourself before the Lord. Now you can just kneel externally and not mean a whole lot, but I'll tell you what, when you kneel and you bend your will to him in the process, you surrender to him and you declare what the intent of your heart is, I guarantee you it does something different. The change of posture 
And I really learned a lot of this from my wife watching her kneel. I was opposed to kneel because my knees hurt. I had feeble excuses. It's silliness. But there's something very powerful about bending the knee and bending the will to the will of God. Now, I understand some of you have physical things that you can't do that. So don't get under condemnation for that. The idea isn't the external, it's the internal of the surrender to the will and purposes of God. Wanting what he wants and establishing that and then simply declaring that as well. Glad I got something to hold on to to get back up So anyhow, it's the bending of the knee to Jesus in his will. And it's our father. Knowing God is a father. That, that was, you know, I got saved pretty radically and filled with the Spirit all in one night and just got radical to start with. But when I had a revelation, a personal revelation of him fathering me, that was huge. Now my pastor... My father was a pastor, and my father was always seemed like busy with someone else. I never really had a, a deep, intimate relationship with my father. I wanted that, and I didn't really get that in the natural until I married Donna or was dating her to start with in a relationship with her father. He was really a father to me. Vernon was an a, a amazing man. He taught me things and did things. We fished together and, you know, camped together and who lived, you know, next door to them for 22 years and never had a crossword. He was an amazing man. And, but the revelation of God being a father to me was an amazing event. It's, it's like I began to see how I needed to be fathered. And I have learned over all these years now to receive his correction, his instruction, but most of all to receive the love that he has for me. And that's the Father's heart. God so loved that he gave and he's never stopped. But to know the love of the Father, and that's what Paul's going to get into here, and we want to check these things out and be able to understand the, the passion that Paul has, why he prays what he does for the Ephesian church and us by extension, those who love the Lord. Then look at verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. <clears throat> the word grant you simply is to give something to someone as a gift. There's an impartation that is given to us. The word riches is uh, a really interesting word. It's, again, our word fullness is, is part of the definition of riches, the abundance of it, fullness of its perfection. Now, Colossians 2.2, Paul explains it uh, again, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, attaining to all, here's the word, the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding resulting in the true knowledge of God's mystery that is Christ himself. See, there, there's a lot of times we're trying to have a relationship with our Bibles. Now, you know what a word guy I am, so I'm not minimizing the word of God for a minute. But years ago, he caught me with my Amplified Bible, which I've had since 1975. And he said, you're looking for a scripture you're standing on it. You're believing in faith with the word. What I said in my word, he says, but you're not coming to me. So sometimes we can exalt the written word over the relationship with him. The written word enables us to have a relationship. It enlightens us. It teaches us how to do that. Now, don't misunderstand me. Don't say, no, less is, you know, the Bible's not important. No, no. The Bible's incredibly important. But if we get these things out of order, then the Bible can become idolatrous and where a lot of the cults and stuff have gotten weird on this thing is by exalting the written word over the person of Jesus Christ. He is the word. And so that relational place and that intimacy with, is with him. 
And it says that you may be strengthened to empower. What's the empowerment? Is the power of the Holy Spirit. It's dunamis is the word in that area. Same word that Jesus used in Acts 1.8. It says you shall receive power. Dunamis. After that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me. Both Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria. Even to the uttermost part of the earth. This is a long ways from Jerusalem. I know because we've been on a plane to get there. But the area of the anointing of God is available to anyone and the power of the Spirit is how this is done. Then it's done in the inner man. Okay, What's the inner man? It's our, our spirit man, our soul, our conscience, the very core of our being, of who we are. And it's interesting, it's the inner man it's anthropos. So it's male and female. It's mankind. So it isn't just men. It's mankind. And it's so important to understand that. And Paul says in another place, though the outer man is decaying, yet the inner man is being renewed day by day. So the inner man or woman, this is where faith comes. This is where the relationship comes directly with him. Then verse 17 um, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Um, the word dwell is, it, in another place there, it's to live and make a permanent home. Jesus said, Father and I will come and we will abide with you. And there's that interaction there and it's something that's established. Dwell in our hearts. Now, I found this in our hearts. It's our desired decisions that establishes who we really are. It's your, your mind and your character. It's spiritual life, your thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, and purposes. You will do sooner or later what you believe. Paul says, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. And I really believe there's times we need to figure out why you believe. It isn't just being able to quote Bible verses or declare things. Why do you believe what you believe? It will establish something of faith in your heart. That's the thing that grows. The word of God is like seed. It grows. It produces. Initially, when you first receive the word of God, there isn't a whole lot going on. Mark... Uh, chapter 4, Jesus describes this. He said the seed grows, which he's been declaring, the word of God to being the seed. It grows, he knows not how. The earth produces of itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Then he says, then the harvest comes. And then we put the sickle in. There's something produced over an extended time frame that is supernatural. He talks about rooted and grounded. Those are things that are bringing stability into our lives. And then, and then it says through faith. And we've talked about faith. This is faith 328. I don't even know that I said that. It may be up there. But faith believes as real fact that which is not yet revealed to the senses. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things. Here's the phrase, not yet seen. It's the not seen part that we have a problem with. And that's where we end up praying chicken prayers from time to time as opposed to faith-believing prayers. Because God says so, then we believe him rather than fear, doubt, and unbelief comes along and steals away our ability to receive what he has. And he talks about love. The word is agape. We've talked about that word often. But it's an old word when they began to translate into the Greek language the word of God. Agape was a word that wasn't in, in normal use with all the other love words that you know, have been used. And they had to kind of dust it off because the other words didn't bring the immensity of what love really is. It's, it's self-sacrificing. It's, it's supernatural. It's divine love. And it's a biblical word that isn't used anywhere else. So this is what he's trying to get over to us. The Father himself loves you. Would you receive that? Would you come and enter into that and take hold of what he offers? Verse 18. 
that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints. The word comprehend is kata lambano. Now you've heard me talk about lambano from time to time. It's the word to receive, to accept what's offered. Two-part word, not to refuse or reject. But kata lambano is an aggressive word where we're taking hold of this. It says to lay hold of as to make it one's own, to appropriate, to seize upon, to take possession of. And if you go with me to the book of Philippians, it's just next door here in, in your Bibles, and look with me in chapter 3, and we'll see how this word is used in the passion that Paul is writing there. He describes in his own relationship. First of all, he says, the value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, is above everything. I lay everything aside. All of my history and letters behind my name, all of that area, as an incredible Hebrew student, he has to lay aside. Starting with verse 10. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection. That's our dunamis word again. And the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that it may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it or have already been made perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of, katalambano, of that which I was also, katalambano, laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, not that I regard myself as having Katalamano again laid hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. There's a passion that begins, you can see it in Paul's life, and if you're a God seeker and you're pressing in, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like there's an insatiable appetite for more of him and what he has and how to be able to enter into that by faith. And he says, with all the saints, it's together. There's the, the word fellowship comes out of that whole thing too. Uh, see, and pardon me, those folks that are watching on online, bless you. But we desire that you would be here to bring your part as well as receive. There's something about being together in presence together with the Lord is huge. And the same th thing applies with all the saints, the holy ones, <clears throat> holy likeness of nature with the Lord. They're set apart. They're special to the Lord. Now, I have a friend, Duke, that for years, he lives in another state, so I don't see him often. He calls me Saint Les. And I always tell him, now, Les is with two S's. Okay, get that straight, dude, in that dimension. But we're all saints. We've been set apart. We're holy under the Lord. You know, and it sounds strange because we get all kinds of weird, oh, I'm no saint. Well, if you belong to Jesus, you are. He says you are. And so that area, because of the holiness that's been imparted to us, not by what we have done, but what he did, is doing, and will continue to do. That's what changes and transforms what you believe and why. And then he talks about the breadth and the length and the depth and the height of the love of God. This is amazing. They all, each one of these words, the language shows forth the greatness, the extent, the number of blessings that received in Christ. This is part of the fullness. We'll look at that here in the next verse. It's just bigger than you can say. It has to be experienced. And that's part of the language that's included in that as well. Verse 19. And to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, and that you would be filled up to all the fullness of God. Knowledge is to know. It's personal experience, firsthand acquaintance with this, that you may know this. Again, it's the agape, knowing his love, love of Christ. And it surpasses knowledge. It's beyond anything that you can comprehend with the intellect. This is where the supernatural part of this thing comes in, is being able to have something revealed to you by the power of the Spirit. That you may be made full. See, the, the, the knowledge there also in, um, surpasses knowledge. It's general knowledge, intellect, 
uh, intelligence, soul information without revelation. That you may be filled to make full. Okay. Now, I'm going to give this to you in the Amplified Bible because it really says it well. It says that you may really practically through experience for yourselves come to know the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. That you become a body that's wholly filled and flooded with God himself. To know that fullness. This is the un understandable dimension of this. That's why I was talking to you about having our hearts enlarged so that we can begin to have an understanding of how big this really is. And the more you understand this, the smaller we become, the bigger he becomes. And we begin to understand that there's more to be had. And this is what's available to us if we'll continue to press in and have that relational intimacy with the living God. Now, <clears throat> I have a quote here by Adam Clark. I looked him up. He lived from 1762 to 1832. So it's been a day or so ago. But he says this, among all the great sayings in this prayer, this is the greatest, this is Psalm 19, or verse 19. To be filled with God is a great thing. To be filled to all the fullness of God is still greater. But to be filled with all the fullness of God utterly bewilders the sense and confounds the understanding. That's why we've been having such a hard time trying to communicate this, Jake. And we're wrestling through some of these things. Even the gospel is just so big, and yet it's so simple. We need help to misunderstand it. But the gospel is Jesus Christ himself. Verse 20. Notice it's the fullness of God. That's what we talked about earlier. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is what is being uh, prayed for, what Paul is praying for. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we could ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. This is the same word again, the power that works within us is a dunamis. It's the supernatural power of God. And he's able to do, see, he has power to do things in us. That's why he said, now let's, let me do for you that which you could never do for yourself. This is where we're positioning for something to be done to us rather than to do something. We're always trying to figure out how to do it right. I know you do too, Deb. We're, we're trying to figure out how to do it right. And so there's, there's something about this labor of the flesh that profits nothing. He's bringing us into a place where we're allowing him to do that supernatural work. And it's abundantly, it's excessive. It's super abundant. It's that same thing in John 10, 10 that we used earlier. Thief comes only to steal, kill, or destroy, but I've come that you could have life and have it more abundantly. Yeah. The Amplified there also says all that you can Think, ask, think, or even imagine. I got a pretty good imagination. I was the only child, so I had developed pretty good imagination. But there's no way that you can begin with a logical mind to imagine the greatness of how this, how huge this is. And that's why he's asking us to come and let him reveal them to us while he's given us the helper, the Holy Spirit, to be able to do this. And he brings his power and he teaches us how to walk by the Spirit so we don't fulfill the desire of the flesh. Verse 21. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Well, the church is the ecclesia. That's the gathering of believers. This is our family. It's part of our family here, but the family is all around the world. And that's another amazing dimension of how big the body of Christ actually is. In all generations, it practically indicates the infinity of time. It's unbroken forever and ever, and it's amen. So we're being equipped to serve someone somewhere and being able to give away that which he's given to us. Serving doesn't come naturally, particularly in this culture. We like being served. We just don't like to serve. And I'm not talking about just 
helping Cam in the children's ministry. That's reasonable and it's a big deal. Very important part. But we can all minister somewhere. And we've all had feeble excuses, me included, for why I'm not gifted to do this or that. But we can all pray. If you can talk, you can pray. And I'll tell you what, the things that only heaven will reveal the effect of believing prayer. And I'm so grateful that people didn't give up on me and they continued to pray until this boy finally figured out what life was all about. But prayer is huge in the spirit realm. And it's a, one of the primary ways of being equipped. A lot of good things can be done. There's a lot of ministry that needs to take place. But I believe it needs to take place under the tutelage of the Spirit of God. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. And verse 30 there in John 5 says, I do nothing on my own initiative. That's huge. So we have so much time, energy, and resource to serve with in some capacity somewhere. But when we serve by his direction and do what he asks us to do, it can be a whole lot more profitable than wasting time, energy, and resource that can be better utilized under the tutelage of the Spirit of God. And so this is where the prayer things and you've heard me say this multiple times. Father, what are you doing? What's my part in it? How can I most quickly align with that? And that's where the wrestling through part comes. We're willing to do the awkward and the uncomfortable things. If you work in a marketplace somewhere, there's some people that don't know the Lord. There's some people, what we call grace growers, that get right up your nose and you're offended by them pretty easily, probably multiple times on a, on a continuum. So what I ask people to do, why don't you ask the Lord who he would like for you to pray for wherever you work, wherever you go to school, wherever you're in contact with it. How about family members? Don't we all have some family members that are interesting? That's the safe term that need to be prayed for over an extended time frame. See, Paul says, I am in travail. He says, I'm in birthing labor until Christ be formed in you so that we may present every man complete in Christ. It's in Christ, not just quit bugging you or go to church or read their Bible or give money or whatever else. That isn't the issue. The issue is hearts that are transformed by the living God. And that's what he's calling us to do. When you pray for a person over an extended time frame, by faith you win a right at the proper time to speak into their lives. And Donna accuses me of this. She says, you want to tell them everything you know in 15 minutes or less, and I do. It's just not appropriate. But you speak what he quickens your heart to speak to them. And one of the ways that I address this from time to time, I'll say, listen, I've got some things in my heart. May I share my heart with you? And if they give me permission to go that far, then I say, no, listen, some of this is spiritual things. Is it okay to talk to you about spiritual things? I don't want that. I don't want to hear that. Get out of here. Leave me alone. So then we just write, go right back into the prayer closet again and we continue intercession. But if they say, yeah, it's okay to share that said, this is what I've been praying for. This is my heart for you. May I pray for you and pray with you now? I haven't been turned down very many times. I have. But there are times where people will be open when you know that you care. Jerry Cook said this a lot of years ago. He said, when you know that, uh, know that when people know that you love them, you can say some incredibly strong things to them. And I think we're in a season right now that we've, we've kind of excused ourselves out of laboring or serving someone else because it was too hard or I didn't want to do this or maybe they will be angry with me. Well, maybe they do. But you know, it, it's not a kind thing to let people go to hell when you have an opportunity to speak into their lives. 
And so that's why prayer is such an important part of being equipped. If you can talk, you can pray. If you can't talk, you can think. He knows your thoughts before you think them. David says, before a word is even in my tongue, you know it altogether. And beginning to pray for someone somewhere and spending the time to see what the Father has going for them. See, intercession pulls into the now what the Father's prepared. That which I has not seen or ear heard or entered into the heart of man, those things that God has prepared for them that love him. But he's revealed them by his spirit with the dunamis that is at work within us, every one of us. So learning to let him show us, align ourselves with him, and you begin to see something. I'll tell you when, and I've seen this a lot of times in my life, when you labored in prayer for someone, you see them turn to the Lord or receive him or enter into that, or something is broken in their life, there's nothing like that. I have an appetite for it. One of my goals in life is make sure that you're born again, filled with the Spirit, you know how to hear his voice, and that you discovered from him what he's called you to do, and then be able to release you into that with blessing. Serving is difficult. Every one of our jobs has got messy things that we would like to avoid. But when you're able to embrace the tough stuff because he's empowered you to do it, it's like a new day. Because he produces supernatural desire to willing to do for his good pleasure. And then it becomes your good pleasure. Let's pray. Father, would you teach us to be good servants of Jesus Christ? Would you give us desire to please you, to lay down our lives? The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Would you teach us how to pray simple prayers, prayers that you could answer? So we're not trying to talk you into something. We're simply surrendering ourselves to what you've laid in store for us. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, which Lord, I believe is the safest place in the universe is under your mighty hand. Place of protection, provision, whatever we need for our lives. Now you would teach us as a body of believers how to pray for each other, how to release each other into that which you've planned and purpose. That we're assisting each other. And I pray, Father, for parents would teach their children how to pray, how to pray with them, how to pray for them, how to bring prayers of declaration, how to be able to speak prophetically over their lives. Just simple things to build up, to encourage, and to comfort. And I ask, Father, that we would Turn in our feeble excuses for an empowerment of the dunamis power of God to be able to walk by the Spirit so we do not continue any longer to fulfill the desire of our flesh. And I've said this over a lot of years, Lord, and I, I just believe it again, that if we desire to walk by the Spirit, we have to become comfortable being uncomfortable. The not knowing, the not seeing part. And yet we trust your character to be with us at all times and all occasions and all circumstances, even to the end of the age. My presence shall go with you and I'll give you rest. I just remember, again, you saying to me, Wes, come on, you can do this. I'll go with you. I won't do it for you, but I'll go with you. So Lord, would you accompany us in this journey as sons and daughters of the living God and be able to walk in newness of life and put to death and edit out some of the things, Lord, that you're requiring us to lay aside. Just some flesh stuff. We've all got some of these things. We simply confess, Lord, we love you. 
And we're here to receive your grace. And would you continue to enlarge all of our hearts to understand a little bit more of the fullness of what's available. Grace upon grace. And sometimes the other word is grace for grace. And we honor you and thank you for your faithfulness to teach us how to be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.